thank you so much for joining me, Chris Smith, journalist, author, contributor at New York Magazine, Vanity Fair. As always, you're covering Washington and recently wrote a great piece on Governor Cuomo. So thank you so much for taking your time to shed some light on all these things here. Thanks for having me. It's a strange time all around the world and anybody listening, I hope they're doing okay. Yeah. And you're doing okay. You're immediate family in New York and such? We are, yeah. You know, we've tried to be careful, and I feel like we've also been lucky to this point. Uh, Everybody's been healthy, so we're trying to keep it that way. We're talking on Tuesday. Yesterday, in an even more than usual eye-opening press conference, uh, President Trump declared that he was, quote, total authority, or that he has total authority, and calls the shots when it comes to deciding how and when to lift the pandemic restrictions and reopen the economy. What was your reaction to this press conference? Uh, Yeah, it was a new level of unhinged. And, you know, on the constitutional level, he's wrong. He does not have absolute authority to dictate to the 50 states, even in an emergency. And uh, as a a practical matter, or given the short history of the behavior of the federal government in the past three, four months, he hasn't done anything remotely in the way of functional authority, organization, coordination. You know, he's more consistently said to the states, to the governors, you're on your own find your own medical supplies, build your own hospitals. The federal government has stepped in uh, sporadically where uh, governors have been pleading for their help here in New York. The federal government sent a floating hospital, a naval ship up to help. Uh, Same thing in California. But most of those efforts have only come after the states have begged and pleaded uh, for help from Trump. You know, ascribing logic or a plan to Trump, I mean, not, he's not unintelligent. He's not stupid. He's, he's calculating in many ways. But so often what he's doing day to day in these briefings is about sustaining attention. You know, I hate to talk about life and death issues in terms of performance, But there's a great deal of theater here, especially on Trump's part, who has a bottomless need for attention. Yes, per usual, this was about his own media coverage, his own self-image. There's very little addressing the actual pain that's going on um, in the country. Exactly. No, that's certainly consistent with how he's behaved over the past three, four months. Yeah, you're right. The first, I forget, 30 or so minutes of yesterday's appearance was about him essentially playing a campaign ad and attacking individual members of the press for how they've reported on Trump's lack of response uh, to the epidemic. He suggested that there would be, or it felt like some sort of retaliation towards the governors who didn't step in line or a price to pay or something. What do you think that he means by that? Well, I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> the president and the federal government, if, if not possessing total authority, 
do have a hell of a lot of power uh, in this system. And just as they've uh, been slow to deliver medical supplies to the states, they can mess with individual states if Trump so chooses on everything from uh, the manufacturer of uh, the kind of wide-scale testing needed to send people back to work. Hey, you know, Michigan, you're not playing ball. Uh, maybe you're not going to get so many tests as Texas, you know, which is on the team. Then there's all the billions, trillions of dollars in financial aid that states need. President, uh, together with the Republican majority in the Senate, has a hell of a lot of power as to how that money is going to be distributed. So he can certainly play favorites and, and punish people uh, on an ongoing basis. What's been fascinating here locally, but it also is part of the national dynamic, is how Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York has attempted to, at times, confront Trump, at times, uh, praise Trump, it's been a real push and pull and stroke and kick. And Cuomo is a very sophisticated political player, and he's needed to call on all those skills uh, in the past couple of months. You know, even in the past, whatever it's been, six, eight hours, Cuomo went on a series of TV shows here in the U.S. this morning and said, you know, Trump is no king. Trump doesn't have absolute power. And then two or three hours later, Cuomo used his daily press briefing to play nice, you know, to say, I'm not going to get in a fight with Trump. I needed to correct the facts on the constitutional authority thing, but I'm not going to play the partisan game, which, you know, uh, may, may, maybe it's an attempt to uh, keep Trump off balance. It's certainly an attempt by Cuomo to take the high road and, and tell people, tell the audience, tell New York citizens, you know, you can trust me more than you can trust Trump in the coming days as we try to loosen up the re restrictions. I'm going to get, I want to ask you some more about that relationship and about Cuomo. Just one more thing about yesterday, you were mentioning the first 30 minutes were like a propaganda improv of some sort. And at one point, there was a reporter that asked Dr. Fauci, actually, if he was speaking voluntarily or at the behest of the president, how, how did you feel about Fauci's reaction to that? Uh, I was, you know, embarrassed for the man. It's, it's humiliating uh, that this scientist who's done nothing but attempt to follow the facts needs to, go, you know, be walked out there publicly and, and uh, praise Trump. Fauci seems to have made a really difficult choice that he's doing more good by, you know, staying on the team for the general public uh, than if he were to speak even more bluntly and get fired, you know? So, you know, pretty much anybody who uh, joins this administration leaves with their reputation damaged and Fauci's walking a very fine line with that but he you know believes and I, I think he's right that he's doing more to steer Trump's actual policy by staying on the team and if it means he's got to apologize and eat his words from time to time he's willing to pay that cost. So watching that play out that's like the whole dictatorship right on camera there it's it's 
Yeah, it's, it's pretty scary. awful. <laughs> also continuing on that thread, CNN actually cut the feed. They said this is just too much propaganda. And as we know, of course, it's already infected between the press and Trump. But what do you think going forward? Do you see it getting even worse? Sure. Uh, you know, not that we're uh, not already in a political campaign, but officially, you know, the the head-to-head uh, Joe Biden, the Democratic challenger versus Trump, the incumbent, you know, that really hasn't kicked into gear and probably won't until, you know, people are allowed to go out and hold rallies and, and campaign in a more normal way. Well, yeah, it's going to get a lot nastier, both Trump versus the press and Trump versus Biden. Uh, you know, Biden is and will continue to not engage as much as he can avoid it, to not take Trump's bait and get into the kind of name-calling ugliness that uh, drags both of them down. You've been covering, as we said, mentioned earlier, Governor Cuomo extensively for many years already, and you have a great piece in Vanity Fair recently. He, he is, of course, the eldest child of Mario Cuomo, who was also a three-term governor of New York. Can you describe him a little bit, his personality? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry to fact check. Andrew does have an older sister. Yeah, his older sister is, is a doctor, actually, and has strenuously stayed out of the political game. Andrew is very tough, very cunning, very ambitious. He's always been more of a mechanic, more of a guy who wanted to get into the fine details of, of policy and horse trading to make policy work than a guy who was an inspirational speaker and leader um, like his father. His father was a tremendous orator. What's interest, one of the things that's interesting and ironic about this current period is that Andrew Cuomo has really dialed up amount of family and personal contact or um, content in his uh, daily press briefings talking about, you know, how he's worried about his mother, who's 88 years old, getting sick during the pandemic, talking about his broad, younger brother, who is a CNN host, who is, who does, in fact, have coronavirus, uh, talking about his daughters, you know, and that's a side of Cuomo that he hasn't hidden, but he's certainly emphasizing it more now than ever. And the other element of that irony is that, you know, this empathetic, compassionate side of Andrew is very much in contrast with the, the way he's governed for most of his, uh, what is it now, 10 years in office, where he's been a bully, you know, where he's been really vindictive, where he punishes his enemies and rewards his friends. He's very transactional, but he's not one dimensional. And that's been the value of him in the job right now. You know, one of the interesting questions that obviously nobody can answer for years down the road is how history will treat Andrew Cuomo in this period. Because New York State, Cuomo was, depending on how you count it, a week or so behind California and Ohio and some other states and cities in going to a full shutdown of of public life. And we now have 
you know, five times the number of coronavirus cases, five times the number of deaths of anywhere else. Yeah, New York has more population, more density than a lot of those other states, but uh, it didn't have to be this bad. And whether Cuomo's choices ultimately are seen as contributing to the epidemic will be, will be fascinating. I mean, day to day, he's done a phenomenal job uh, for the past month and a half of playing catch up in uh, getting hospitals opened, expanding hospitals in getting information to the public. I mean, his, his, I just counted it up today. His press briefing was his 45th in a row, you know, that he's been on camera talking to the country, but talking to the New Yorkers about uh, staying at home, about how medical supplies are needed, about how uh, the economy is, is being damaged. And he's been very blunt. You know, he's trying to modify mass behavior in the process. He's trying to play this very complicated game politically with Trump to get the help we need from the federal government. But it's, it's you know, another level of irony that Cuomo is, is pushing back on Trump saying Trump has total control. Andrew Cuomo has always governed New York State as if he had total control <laughs> and, and he's done it again, you know, very recently pushing around the mayor of New York city in terms of shutdown policy. Schools and things. Correct. Well, I can think of Giuliani under nine 11, how he also seemed to have this effect that he was good at sort of making people feel calm. Um, yeah. no, no other comparisons, but yeah, no, I mean, Rudy's uh, compassionate side lasted about three weeks um, and has never been seen again. Oh, and now uh, it's completely gone. Yeah, right. You know, Cuomo's sustaining this in probably a more complicated context than the terrorist attacks. And the other thing, too, that, you know, helps Cuomo is the comparison with Trump, mm-hmm. who's all over the place, who's angry, who's lying, you know. And Cuomo is is certainly uh, controlling and, and steering the message where he wants to go. But he, you know, by comparison to Trump, has been fact-based, science-based, logical, compassionate. You know, he's talked in great detail about how the thousands of people who've died in New York are not numbers. They're real people with families. You know, it's the kind of thing that Trump hasn't even come close to saying. What was Cuomo's relationship to Trump, the Cuomo family's relationship to Trump in New York before even he was president? Yeah, kind of superficial in the, in, in the way that, you know, many political rich guy, particularly in New York City and New York State, real estate developers have tremendous amount of power. Uh, they're generally big players in, in local politics because they have money to, to contribute. And so Trump and Andrew Cuomo certainly knew each other on that level. They weren't friends or anything like that. I mean, they were friendly in a sort of professional way. Uh, Trump once appeared in a uh, mock kind of humorous video that was made when Cuomo got married, I think it was. So they were on, you know, cordial terms, but really didn't cross paths a whole lot. 
until these past three months. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's uh, it's interesting. They're both from Queens, you know, one of the city's boroughs, but grew up in very different neighborhoods, in very different families. The Cuomo's, you know, very politically engaged, very middle class, intellectual types, idealistic. And Trump, you know, the son of a wealthy real estate developer whose only, you know, values were about making more money. He gets the question all the time, uh, Andrew Cuomo, whether he'll run for president. What do you think? Uh, Is that the game plan? No, I don't. It, it, ha- it has been in the past. And he came very, he came the closest he ever has to doing it in 2012, I'd say, you know, and then thought about it again in 2000, well, more in 2016 than in 2012 when Obama was running for a second term. But certainly in 2016, he thought about it. And Hillary Clinton running just uh, cleared the field. He'd certainly like to be president, but he's able to think about it objectively enough to know that his real skills and real talents and accomplishments have come because he's so deeply knowledgeable about the personalities and intricacies of New York state government. He's worked in the federal government. He was a cabinet secretary under Bill Clinton, did a lot of good things in the housing department. But, you know, were he to be president like anybody else, he'd have to deal with Congress. In New York, at least currently, he's got a very uh, agreeable uh, state legislature, you know, where he can get a lot of things done without too much hassle. So, you know, the way the world moves, yes, he's not running in 2020. Four years from now is is so far off. Yeah, we don't even know. Right? Cuomo is certainly, you know, had a level of national exposure, positive national exposure over these past few months that he never had before. Could he capitalize on that three, four years from now? I have no idea. So now he is together with, let's see, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Rhode Island, right? Yes, and today Massachusetts has been added. They're forming a pact to coordinate going forward with the pandemic and, and the restrictions and things like that. How do you think this will go? Uh, it'll be interesting. You know, as long as the governors of all those states do what Andrew wants them to do, it'll go very <laughs> go very well. <laughs> uh, you know, it, Publicly, he's he's 100% respectful of the other six governors, but you know Andrew sees himself as driving this bus. It's the formation of that coalition or alliance, whatever you want to call it, is clearly one of the things that set off Trump's rant yesterday about having total authority out west. California, Washington, Oregon have linked in a similar alliance. So, you know, as a practical matter, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to coordinate any kind of reopening public access rules, you know, uh, because people travel from New York to New Jersey to Connecticut all the time. So a, a consistent set of rules should help in a public health sort of way. And politically, it's really smart because it allows, you know, Trump, Uh, excuse me, allows Cuomo and the other governors 
to push back even harder against Trump. Finally, I just want to ask you, because today Obama endorsed Biden just a Shocker. couple hours ago. Yeah, <laughs> But uh, tell me now, what are your thoughts? Why now? How did he say it? What are your reflections on how he did it? Yeah, to be expected, since Biden has pretty much locked up in every way the nomination. You know, the key was that Bernie Sanders dropped out uh, is a day ago, two days ago. I'm losing track. Obama had considerable influence on nudging Sanders out of the race. So once that part of it was done, you know, it made total sense for Obama to come out publicly in favor of Biden. It should be enormously helpful. You know, Obama is the most popular African-American politician of our lifetimes. Uh, Biden is, has significant African-American support on his own. But the Democrats in November are going to need massive turnout from African-American voters. The, you know, the circumstances, because we're all on lockdown, the fact that Obama did it by video, yeah, it takes a little of the drama or, right. or weight out of it for now. But it's, you know, given how much Trump is dominating the news, given how much body counts are dominating the news. It's it's very hard to break through in a significant way. But Obama's going to be, you know, enormously important, particularly in the fall, in getting voters to come out. What's interesting is we'll see probably in a couple hours when Trump does yet another of his briefings, you know, now, now that Obama is officially on board, it makes it easier for Trump, not that he's hesitated uh, previously, but it makes it easier for Trump to take shots at Obama and say, you know, all this is partisan and it's Obama's fault, but he was going to do that anyway. So, you know. Well, we'll see. And and I just want to say that we're really thinking of you in New York. I mean, Same here. it's a difficult situation. And thank you for talking to us, sending sending lots of thoughts to you. Any anytime, uh, appreciate it. You know, everybody stay healthy uh, there as well. I, I look forward to all of us uh, traveling and visiting uh, very soon. Maybe not very soon, but no. <laughs> as, as soon as, as possible. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.